So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media? Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 5 o'clock. Good morning. It is Thursday, June 29th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine today, high 84. Tonight and overnight, few clouds. Low 68, Friday. Friday, sun and clouds, high 83. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 65 and cloudy in Sag Harbor out on Long Island, 60 and cloudy down in Lebanon, New Jersey, and it is 64 and clear here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up 6 o'clock hour, Sid and Friends in the morning. If you were listening yesterday, I was going through my podcast numbers. We podcast this news hour, which... On one level, I find kind of comical because the minute I do the news, it's no longer news, right? But there are apparently a lot of people who listen to us afterwards. So thank you very much, by the way. And um, they gave me the list, the initial list of where people are listening. So not surprising. Most of it's New York, the United States. And um, then I found out that on an average day, there's like 38 people listening to us in Japan. And uh, I thought that was interesting. So sure enough, this woman gets in touch with me, Akiko Yamato. I got an, uh, a um, uh, Twitter message from her yesterday. Uh, she said she's been listening most days since March, lived in New York while she was in college and happened upon the show back in March. So, all right. Thank you, Akiko. So that solves at least one of the 38 people who listen on a daily basis in Japan. Then there's 131 over the last couple of days listening in Singapore. And then somebody from Singapore reached out as well. Then a woman, Lisa Paulson, she lives in Singapore. She says she works for a big financial institution there and uh, either listens in real time, so she might be listening right now, or to the podcast because it's afternoon there and she's sitting in her office. So thank you very much, Lisa. And then my father, who I thought never listens because not because he's not a supportive guy, but he was listening yesterday on the podcast and called me and he said, I listen to the show. I made some comment that he never listens, but he apparently does. So, uh, okay, good. Thank you, Dad, for listening in Israel. So that's why some of our Israel numbers are juiced. Um, but then they gave me more numbers yesterday. The Netherlands, Australia, India, Canada, the Philippines. So uh, kind of cool that all those people are out there listening. All right, let's get into the headlines. The top five at five. The smoke from Canada is back. Thousands still camping out at the airport. A Brooklyn man won't be charged in his subway self-defense stabbing. A wild water rescue in Clifton. And someone is dropping adult diapers in one New Jersey town. All right, let's get into it. 503, we'll talk about this Canadian wildfire smoke. Started to see a little bit of it last night. It went from uh, stormy to cloudy and then kind of smoky. Uh, Western New York saw the smoke yesterday. 
Uh, we'll see some unhealthy air quality index either way. The numbers will go up. I urge all New Yorkers to monitor air quality reports in the coming days and be prepared to take precautions or change plans accordingly. Mayor Adams warning that the wind patterns can quickly make things worse. Uh, Governor Kathy Hochul expanding a health advisory to the entire state. We have met and we are coordinated and we're keeping a watchful eye on the difficulties of monitoring the flow of smoke that's coming from the northern region. And of course, everybody trying to just wrap their head around the fact that smoke can migrate all the way from Quebec, where these wildfires are still going, all the way here to New York. When I think about it, a fire that's taking place thousands of miles away is actually impacting our cities. Just renew our spirit and energy around dealing with the climate change that we are facing. And there are a fair amount of people out there who, you know, get nervous when this kind of things happen because they have asthma or breathe, their breathing issues. Well, from, um, you know, it's kind of risky, you know, due to have asthma and things like that. So, you know, the air quality is like going to be, you know, a little down and out. So I'm a little worried. Uh, doctors at hospitals say, you know, they'll see an uptick in numbers if the smoke really pours in in a big way today. We are expecting to see a few extra patients who are coming in with respiratory complaints, asthmatics, those with COPD, the elderly, the very young are more susceptible to having breathing problems. Yeah, the Midwest uh, saw some of this. They've been blanketed by this smoke from the Canadian wildfires for a number of days. And Kentucky doctors say they've seen an uptick in patients coming in. Congestion, a persistent cough, chest tightness or difficulty breathing, chronic sinus pressure. Yeah, all kinds of fun stuff. Right now, it's, it's affecting everyone, and especially the fine particle uh, pollution that they can even get, they can get into your bloodstream, and they can affect. Your blood vessels. Yeah, so we'll watch this, of course, as the day wears on. Uh, one of the other big stories of the morning is still people having a hard time jetting in and out of the tri-state area. This has been going on since Sunday. It's Thursday now. Hundreds of flights canceled yesterday. Thousands of travelers stranded, frustrated at local airports, and they're just beyond themselves. They don't know what else to do. They push you back, and they push you back, and then they won't stand by, and then that gets canceled. I've been here for like a day and a half trying to get back to Denver and I've tried five different flights to United and they've all been canceled. I just don't want to be in here anymore. I'm just so tired of this airport. And I was looking at the numbers. They are just crazy. Monday, 1,200 flights canceled. Tuesday, 1,200 flights. As of um, 4.30 yesterday, it was around the same number of flights canceled. We don't know if we should uh, go to uh, another hotel for a night. If we can get it, we just want to go back home. Yeah, who can blame them? We just spent $400 for a hotel for a night, and now, you know, no hotel vouchers, no, they're, they're not helping with anything. Of course, the finger pointing begun. Uh, travelers eager to know who's responsible for this mess, what exactly has gone wrong, what's ruined their vacations. No way of sleeping, no way of showering. We've just been sleeping on these chairs for a day and a half. That's basically it. And there's like hundreds, if not thousands of other people doing the same thing as we are. Stuck here for another few hours. I've been here off and on for the last day and a half. We need a shower, we need to eat, we need 
to go home. Okay, so here's the bit of good news. Looking at FlightAware this morning, which follows all these things, not a lot of cancellations, not a lot of delays, but it is only 5.07 in the morning. We will follow that, report that to you as those numbers come in. All right, 5.09, uh, we were talking about these flight delays that continued into yesterday. The TSA wants you to know that you shouldn't be blaming them. They say they're not behind any of this. We understand your plight. We feel the frustration and everything else, but we have a job to do, and our job is security. Yes, so apparently security lines have been okay. That was the big issue last summer. The airport, the airline, TSA, all of our employees, they're working together to get you and your family to your final destination. Give us a little grace. And amid all this craziness with the flights late taking off or being canceled, uh, there was this uh, wild scene. Charlotte Douglas International Airport yesterday, a Delta flight forced to land without its wheels. We have a nose wheel uh, unsafe indication. We're going to have to go ahead and declare an emergency. So here's the good news. Pilot safely landed the plane without the front landing gear. The plane stuck on the runway for a while just to make sure everybody was okay. Nobody hurt. Uh, passengers on board, you imagine, a little freak out when they told they had no landing gear, but they say the pilot did a great job. He didn't want to land, and so that kind of was like the first sign of like, oh, something must be pretty wrong. We didn't know why we were just circling the airport, and then the pilot came on and let us know that the wheels up under the nose weren't coming down. All right, 510, let's go out to Chicago, where the president was yesterday laying out his policies to, says, to grow the economy from the middle out and the bottom up. He says that's all work. This vision is a fundamental break from the economic theory that has failed America's middle class for decades now. It's called trickle-down economics. So the president claims the U.S. now has the highest economic growth among world economies. My predecessor enacted the latest iteration of a fail, the failed theory. Tax cuts for the wealthy. It wasn't paid for, and an estimated cost of his tax cut was $2 trillion. Bidenomics is about building an economy from the middle out and the bottom up, not the top down. Yes, you're going to be hearing a lot of those words, Bidenomics, over the next two years as he runs for another four years. When I took office, the pandemic was raging and our economy was reeling. Supply chains were broken. Millions of people unemployed. Hundreds of thousands of small businesses on the verge of closing. Yeah, so president uh, in Chicago yesterday, but the day did not go without a gaffe. He was talking to reporters outside the White House before leaving for Chicago yesterday. And he mistakenly referred to Iraq instead of Ukraine when he was talking about Russia's invasion. It's hard to tell, but he's clearly losing the war in Iraq. He's losing the war at home. Yeah, so the president uh, made the same mistake, by the way, during a campaign reception in Maryland on Tuesday. While we're talking about the Bidens and IRS whistleblower defending his claims, Hunter Biden got special treatment from the Justice Department in his tax case. Correspondent Gabe Gutierrez has more on the allegations from Gary Shapley over these WhatsApp messages he says he obtained from Hunter Biden. He says Hunter Biden used his father as leverage to pressure a Chinese businessman into paying him. Quote, I'm sitting here with my father and we would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. So Shapley telling a bunch of news outlets this week that the U.S. attorney investigating the president's son was blocked from bringing charges outside of Delaware, did not have full control of the case. Shapley believes anyone else would have been charged with felony counts. Were you involved? Were you involved? No. 
That's the president denying any involvement in what's going on. The IRS whistleblower Gary Shapley alleges the uh, DOJ provided preferential treatment to Hunter Biden. If this was any other person, they likely would have already served their sentence. And House Republicans releasing the WhatsApp messages allegedly written by Hunter Biden back in 2017. In the messages, the president's son says $10 million needs to be invested annually into a joint venture with CEFC China Energy and boasts that the Bidens are the best at doing what the chairman of the company wants. Republicans say the chairman was a Chinese oil tycoon who went missing in 2018 after being arrested by Chinese authorities. The messages are part of the House Oversight Committee's investigation into an alleged influence peddling scheme by the Biden family. President Biden has denied being involved in his son's overseas business dealings. I'm Lisa Taylor. All right, 513, let's stay in D.C. The Fed says 23 of the biggest American banks were able to survive a severe recession scenario in a stress test. Every U.S. bank the test included was able to continue to lend to consumers and businesses, the regulator said. Despite a nearly $550 billion projected loss for the group, the banks were able to maintain minimum capital levels. I'm Brian Shook. Down to Florida. It was a second full day of deliberations on Wednesday in that trial for the now former Broward Sheriff's Office deputy who did not confront the Parkland school shooter back in 2018. The judge uh, speaking out in court to the jury yesterday. Press pause on the deliberations at this point. I'm going to send you home for the night. Same admonition as always. Uh, Now, again, the deliberations are going to stop at this point. Yeah, of course, all of Florida watching this case, Judge Martin Fine telling the jurors to return this morning, 9 o'clock, to pick up where they left off. Scott Peterson charged with child neglect. Uh, his attorney argues Peterson didn't know where the shots were coming from on that day and that he did not know the students were in danger. 514, the southern U.S. sweltering in, a, sweltering in what's been a brutal heat wave in El Paso, Lots of people, you might guess, just staying indoors. I will not be leaving my house unless I absolutely have to. I mean, it's 100 degrees is unbearable. Yeah, there's been this persistent heat dome. It's sent temps soaring into triple digits, breaking records, creating life-threatening conditions. Excessive heat warnings are up from Arizona to Alabama and parts of Texas and lower Mississippi Valley. Uh, Mississippi Valley, rather. They seem to be getting worse by the day. We're looking at the forecast today. It'll be in the triple digits again in Texas this morning. All right, 515, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. A big night for the Yankees. Good morning, Justin Ellis. Yeah, big night, Noam Landon, and a big early morning. A late West Coast first pitch last night, 9.40 p.m. First pitch saw Domingo Herman start the game last night for the Yankees, and he did end it. Perfect perfection late last night in Oakland, Noam Landon, and it did come in the form of Domingo Herman, who mowed down 27 straight. Oakland A's and we're out to tossing the 24th perfect game in Major League history during last night's 11 to nothing Yankees win over Oakland. Here's what it sounded like, courtesy of Ryan Rucco and the Yes Network. Grounded to third. Of 
2023. I was sleeping. But no, you were. <laughs> yeah. I was exactly listening to Ryan Rucco. <laughs> yeah. I was totally sleeping. So That's a bummer. It sucks now. It was yeah. a West Coast start, and uh, I got to be here early. Well, you know what? Years from now, you could just say you were watching the game. Nobody will know the difference. Right. Right. I'll rewatch it, and then, right, exactly. <laughs> Thank God for uh, DVR. Vermont joins uh, Don Larson in 1956, David Wells in 1998, and David Cohn in 1999 as Yankees to pitch perfect games, and it was also the 13th no-hitter in Yankees history. And how do you follow up perfection? Well, Clark Schmidt, he'll try and have to do it all over again this afternoon for 3.37 p.m. first pitch in Oakland for the series finale. Oakland has yet to name a starter to go up against the righty. And now for the Mets, who had a much less magical night, finding themselves back in the lost column at falling 5-2 to the Milwaukee Brewers at home. The loss comes just hours after Mets owner Steve Cohen held a press conference in which he preached patience, but did say New York is running out of time to get back into this year's playoff race. We're almost at the all-star break here. The $355 million Mets are 36-44 and and have lost 17 of their last 23. They were eight and a half games back of the last NL wildcard spot entering uh, yesterday's game. Go home to mommy. Yeah, go home to mommy. Exactly. <laughs> so wait, nothing's changed. I thought they were going to fire Buck Showalter or no, something. But no, but he said he said he's getting the management. I mean, I, listen, I, I have a few cuts. We'll probably play during the morning show. But uh, he said he'll, he'll, he's getting his management team together, and they're prepared for whatever may come. Uh-huh. Come the uh, trade said. We don't get better during the until the trade deadline. We'll obviously have to make some new moves. So we'll see what those moves uh, might stupid. entail. Very stupid. Agreed. <laughs> Thank you, President Trump. New York hasn't won a series since uh, sweeping Philadelphia. No, from uh, May 30th of That's June. That's crazy. 1st. Yeah, exactly. That was almost a month ago. The finale of their series with the Brewers is set for tonight at 7, 10 p.m. Max Scherzer will take the hill against Milwaukee's Adrian Hauser. And lastly, in last night's NHL draft, it was indeed the coveted young center, Connor Bedard, who went first overall to the Chicago Blackhawks locally. Rangers went with winger Gabriel Perot with their 23rd overall pick, while the Devils and Islanders did not have a pick on the board. No sports. Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. That was a perfect report. That was, uh, yeah, well, I'm, th- I'm glad I was awake for it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's very good. 520 now. A President Biden calling out Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville for celebrating broadband funding that he actually voted against. Here's what he said, quote, it's great to see Alabama receive critical funds to boost ongoing broadband efforts. Tuberville, one of dozens of Republican senators who voted against Biden's sweeping infrastructure bill. But on Tuesday, the senator praised the news that his state was set to receive $1.4 billion included in the bill to improve broadband across his state. People strenuously opposed voting against it when we had this going on. They were this was going to bankrupt America. Well, there's a guy named Tuberville, a senator from Alabama, who announced that he strongly opposed the legislation. Now he's hailing his passage. All right, let's bring it back to New York. The Justice Department slamming the Bureau of Prison in the series of events that led to Jeffrey Epstein's death in prison here in the city. Correspondent Ann Thompson has the latest. The Inspector General's report found numerous and serious failures in the care of Jeffrey Epstein, writing the combination of negligence, misconduct, and outright job performance failures documented in this report. The disgraced financier committed suicide in a cell back in 20. 
2019, the DOJ's Office of the Inspector General releasing a report that detailed the failures that gave Epstein the time to do so. The one video camera that actually did record video that was working was trained on the stairway into the tier where Epstein was kept. No one went in and out of that tier that night. Yeah, still a crazy story. Uh, 522 up to Harlem. A teenager shot in the chest, killed in Harlem. This was the middle of the day yesterday, 4 o'clock. Traquan Wingfield shot at the Polo Ground Towers. He was rushed to Harlem Hospital where he passed away. Uh, People in the building heard the gunshots, knew it wasn't good. I was laying down watching TV, and I heard like five to six shots. No, these are too close. It didn't sound like firecrackers. Yeah, so Wingfield uh, had been seen by neighbors going in and out of the Polo Grown Towers over the last couple days. He had a girlfriend who was pregnant with a baby on the way. I see him going in and out with her. Oh, let me make sure they go. I guess so they prenatal care and all that. And look what happens, man. Now you got, now you got a loss now. Now you have growing up with no baby father, child, man. And he's a child himself. He's 17, 18 years old. Sad. Cops looking into whether Wingfield was the target of the gunfire, what the motive was behind his killing. Cops say a man wearing a blue hoodie raced away from the scene running towards West 155th Street after the gunfire. Police so far have not caught up with them. Bipartisan legislation being introduced to help lower the spread of tick-related diseases in New Jersey, which in 2020 had the fifth highest Lyme disease rates in the nation. I've been hearing, have you been hearing a lot about this tick stuff? I have. People say they're just seeing more of them. They have them in their head, their arm, when they go out just for a walk, even in urban areas like where I live. The bill by Congressman Josh Gottheimer and Congressman Tom Kane would give federal grants to states to implement a tick identification program. The federal actions I'm announcing will help us understand exactly where we're seeing a spike in ticks and the types of ticks our families are facing, spread awareness to keep our community safe. You know, the awareness I need is what do you do? Do you just yank it out? Right. They always say don't yank it out because the head gets stuck. But Gottheimer uh, says uh, folks will be able to take a picture of the tick, submit it with the location, the date and details and get quick feedback from experts on follow up action. Okay, this will be crucial for research, education efforts and spreading awareness of where ticks are and where families should be careful. With tick season underway, it's incredibly important that we understand where we're seeing spikes Yeah, so half the yearly Lyme disease cases in New Jersey occur between June and July right now. Out to Hoboken, crews working to fix multiple water main breaks affecting several streets in Hoboken. Boy, this happens a lot there. Viola Water, the company responsible for supplying water to the area, says crews responding to three water main breaks. All three happened around the same time that firefighters were working to put out a fire a few blocks away and opened up a fire hydrant with, they think, set off this chain of events that broke water pipes up, water flooded into people's basements and homes. It's become a regular occurrence in Hoboken and people there say, hey, I pay a lot to live here. Enough with this. As long as I've lived here, we've had water main breaks, crumbling infrastructure. I mean, it's uh, it's a kind of a fact of life in Hoboken. It's very expensive to live in Hoboken, and uh, everybody needs water. We, we, we need it every day. Um, and to come home at, you know, 
10 o'clock at night and not know if you have water, it's, it's, uh, shouldn't be that way. Yeah, and there's no current ETA, at least as of uh, 5 o'clock this morning, on repairs. In the meantime, Hoboken Office of the Emergency Management has set up a water distribution site uh, where people can come and fill up jugs, that kind of thing. 525, uh, we alluded to this when we were talking to Justin, uh, Mets owner Steve Cohen holding a press conference yesterday about the state of his team, which is pretty sorry at this moment. Cohen says uh, he doesn't think the season is over. He's preparing his management team for all possibilities, especially if the team doesn't get better by the trade deadline. Now, I think a lot of people were sitting down to watch this press conference and hoped there'd be some announcements of firings. That did not take place. Here was Steve Cohen yesterday. That's not my preferred um and result, um, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm preparing all contingencies, and uh, we'll see where it goes. It's on the players. Yeah, it would have been an interesting moment. You know, billionaire comes out and says, um, "Here's the new team," and brings in a new team. That did not happen. They, of course, the Mets have the highest payroll in baseball, but sit in fourth place in the National League. The Mets, 16 games out of first place. Uh, so, uh, what else are we going to hear from Steve Cohen? So the season's not over. Um, I'm preparing my um, management team for all possibilities. Um, you know, if we don't get better, you know, we have decisions to make at the trade deadline. I mean, if you talk to people in the sports department here and the sports fanatics at the radio station, they will tell you, no, Steve Cohen, the season is already over and it is only June 29th. All right, we're just getting started on this early Thursday morning. So much more to get to as we work our way up 6 o'clock hour, Sid and friends in the morning. Remember the Brooklyn man who stabbed a subway rider in self-defense? That subway rider passed away. There's some new news on that case. We'll get to that before the morning is out. There was just an incredibly wild water rescue in Clifton where firefighters were trying to save people out in a boat and then found themselves in trouble. We'll tell you how that ended. And this is just the weirdest, more bizarre story I have seen in a while, and I've seen a lot. Someone is dropping adult diapers in one New Jersey town, and they cannot figure out who it is. We'll get to that before 6 o'clock as well. But first, this at 529. The 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden on 77 WABC. June is National Men's Health Month. Encourage the men in your life, including you, to take care of their bodies by eating right, exercising, and working to prevent disease. Raising the awareness of preventable health problems and encourage early detection and treatment of diseases, including cancer, heart disease, and depression. So tweak your diet, set some goals, and get educated. 77 WABC cares. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. It is 531. Good morning. It is Thursday, June 29th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine today, high 84. But you may see some smoky skies. 
Uh, let's hope it stays away, but if it does, that might uh, cloud over some of that sunshine. Tonight, overnight, a few clouds, low 68, and then Friday, sun and clouds, high 83. If you're walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 65 and cloudy in Sag Harbor out on Long Island. 60 and cloudy down in Lebanon, New Jersey. And it is 64 and clear here in Midtown. We'll start this half hour in Queens. Do you remember the story from June 13th? Subway rider on a subway uh, on a Brooklyn J train. Someone starts hassling his girlfriend. So he pulls out a knife and he stabs to death the guy who's hassling his girlfriend. Well, now uh, he was worried he was going to be hit with murder or manslaughter charges. But now the Queens man who argued he stabbed a subway rider to death in self-defense, not going to be prosecuted. A grand jury declining to indict Jordan Williams on manslaughter and weapon charges stemming from that June 13th killing on the Brooklyn J train. The 20-year-old had been arrested for the stab death of this 36-year-old. And you can imagine Jordan Williams very relieved today. And I'm just happy that, you know, the system turned out to work in my favor. I was scared in that situation. The violent incident broke out about 8 o'clock. Police responding to a 911 call of a man stabbed while aboard a train. When officers got to the train, they found the 36-year-old who'd been stabbed in the chest. So he was defending his girlfriend at the time. Uh, here's his girlfriend who says, thank God my boyfriend got off. Everyone was there. They seen that he defended me. I was defending him. And that's it. Strangers, actually, complete strangers, paid for Jordan Williams' uh, bills, his legal bills. There's actually money left over from that, and he says he thinks he'll use that now to pay to go to college. You know, it's behind me now, so I'm not going to dwell on it. I was scared in that situation, and I didn't think a lot of people would support me, so I'm definitely grateful for it. And that taking place, as yesterday, the Marine veteran Daniel Penny, accused of putting a mentally unstable subway rider in a deadly chokehold, pleading not guilty to manslaughter and criminally negligent homicide charges. Daniel Penny's lawyer, who, by the way, is going to be on with Sid on Sid and Friends in the Morning this morning, says his client was just trying to defend himself and fellow riders when he put the erratic homeless man, Jordan Neely, into a chokehold that the medical examiner says killed Neely. The, all the evidence is that, uh, that we've seen is that our client acted reasonably under the circumstances and that he was justified in the actions he took. So the um, Daniel Penny has uh, been fundraising online, GoFundMe, to pay his legal bills. He's raised about $3 million. The Neely family, they were in the courtroom yesterday. They say they're confident that in the end, Penny will be held accountable no matter how much money he's raised. For everyone who thought donating $3 million would somehow make this go away or buy his pass, it's not going to happen. Again, later this morning, you'll hear from Daniel Penny's lawyer, Tom Kenneth. That'll be on with Sid and Friends in the morning. 535, something a whole lot lighter. Drought conditions in Mexico from a year ago are still impacting the supply of sriracha sauce. Uh, so if you're having a hard time finding hot sauce in the store, that apparently is why there's a shortage of red jalapeno peppers which is making it hard for hot sauce lovers to get their hands on a bottle. Not the biggest story of the day, but if you're wondering where the hot sauce is, is they can't make it fast enough. According to 
According to the Los Angeles Times, the sriracha sauce is selling out within a day at one Alhambra market. That's if and when they get a shipment. In Northern California, restaurants in the Bay Area are reporting people stealing the bottles from tables. The company says they're still experiencing a shortage, but limited production has resumed. The bottles are in such hot demand that third-party sellers on Amazon are selling them from $22 up to $125. I'm Julie Ryan. Yeah, that's a little nutty. 536, the CDC this week putting out a health alert after at least five cases of malaria have popped up nationwide. So Dr. Jason Bolin, he's an infectious disease expert at the University of Texas. He says this is kind of a big deal. There's a couple of different strains of this parasite, and some of the strains cause more severe disease than others. Malaria is transmitted by mosquitoes, so Dr. Bolding recommending you use a lot of bug spray. So there's people that have minimal symptoms to people that can have severe symptoms, even coma and death. All right, so here's the news you, knew, the news you need to know about. There's all five patients who have been bitten, four in Florida, one in Texas, have now had treatment. They're going to be okay. People cannot catch it from each other, but the insects actually catch it from infected people and then bite somebody else, and that's how you get it. So how do you know if you have it? Well, if you've been stung, you have mosquito bites, sweats, and chills. Those are the first symptoms. Doctors say malaria has to be treated awfully quickly with drugs to crush the parasite that causes the infection because it does sometimes kill malaria. All right, 539. I want to correct a mistake I made. Jordan Williams' lawyer is going to be on with Sid. That's the story of the Brooklyn man who stabbed a fellow passenger to death who had threatened his his uh, girlfriend, his lawyer, uh, will be on with Sid this morning. Then Tom Kenneth, who is Daniel Penny's lawyer, is going to be on with Sid tomorrow. Either way, you get two great lawyers, one today, one tomorrow. Make sure you tune in starting at 6 o'clock this morning. Let's go down to New Jersey. A New Jersey school board postponing a vote last night on controversial new policies. Critics and supporters of a proposed school district policy in Colts Neck just packing this gym last night. The policy would task school principals with communicating a student's decision to change names or pronouns to parents. The way it is now, if a kid shows up in your school in New Jersey and they want to be called something else or identified by something else, you don't tell the parents. Well, Colts Neck wants to change that where the parents would be told that uh, a male student wants to be identified as a female student or the other way around. So you imagine people, b- both sides of this issue, packing this gym in Colts Neck last night. Don't have a trans kid? Keep your ill-conceived opinions to yourself because they you, they are hurting our children. A Katie child who believes in the tooth fairy, Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, does not have the emotional or intellectual maturity to decide what their parents should and should not know. Yeah, a lot of the meetings sounded like last uh, like that last night. Earlier this month in New Jersey, similar policies were enacted in Middletown, Marlboro, uh, Manawapan. Supporters say it's about transparency, while critics say it's outing trans students to their families before they're comfortable doing it themselves. To keep parents in the dark? To lie to parents and to view parents as a problem is grossly irresponsible and a serious violation of parental rights.
Having teachers to confide in before my parents made me feel amazing. And with policy 5756, you're taking that moment away from potentially hundreds of students. So Colts Neck uh, tabling the issue uh, did not take a vote. It may be because Governor Murphy says he'll come after them if they reverse policy and have parents involved when a student starts self-identifying uh, from their uh, birth uh, identity. So the administration, he said, will not stand for any organized efforts that undermine public education and marginalize students. And he says school boards that enact these policies are in direct violation of state regulations. And he says he'll have lawsuits filed against them from the New Jersey Attorney General's office. So that might be why last night the Board of Education in Colts Neck decided to table the vote on this. They say there will be one, but they did not give us a date of when that will take place. But obviously still continues to be a huge story in New Jersey and for that matter around the nation. 542, while we're in New Jersey, just a crazy uh, scene of a rescue yesterday on the Passaic River in Clifton. Dramatic event. So a boat with a small team of contractors working on a construction project upstream from the Dundee Dam Falls got disconnected from another boat and started drifting towards this waterfall. So these firefighters quickly get into their own boat and they're able to uh, save these contractors. But what happens to them is they start to go over the falls. It was just a wild scene. And the good news is, is everybody here is okay. We went out there with our boat and in an attempt to rescue them, our rescue boat went over the falls with our men in it and was submerged. Yes, so the water moving so fast, these firefighters knew they could not move or they might be swept downstream, could drown. The two firefighters had successfully rescued these workers. Uh, now they had to wait for help for themselves. And that came in the form of a New Jersey State Police helicopter that, thank God, just happened to be in the area. And what a scene it was. They dropped down a rope. They rappelled down to these firefighters in the water and then brought them back into the helicopter and saved them. They just happened to be in the area with their helicopter, which is amazing. Uh, the chief told me that they were just happened to be in the area and they were called. And so that helped. Yeah. Amazing job done by the firefighters, New Jersey State Police, that rescue worker who rappelled down 100 feet from the police helicopter to lift the two firefighters one by one from the boat. We will put that video footage up at WABCRadio.com. Amazing job done by them. All right, let's bring it back into the city. Sanitation Commissioner Jessica Tisch wants to get garbage bags off the streets. So it's all in a bid to keep rats away. The thought is the rats come when those garbage bags are there. So one thing she's already done is she shortened the time between you putting out the trash and a garbage truck picking it up. So that gives less time for the rats to feast on your garbage. Now what she wants to do, she's going to start with businesses starting tomorrow. If you're a food business, you have to take those garbage bags and put them in a container that's closed so the rats can't get to the trash. Uh, Here she explains a little bit about this. None of this should be a surprise to anyone because we told everyone exactly what the playbook is, uh, and now we're executing the place. So businesses have... Have about a month to get used to the new rules. Fines will be handed out after that in August. A trial run of the container program showed promising results with rat sightings down 15%. None of this should. New York City used to be known 
for our mean streets. <clears throat> but going forward, we're going to be known for our clean streets. All right, so they'll start the container program with businesses that are food businesses. At some point, it'll get to everyday New Yorkers. Uh, they say all in a bid to get those rats off the street. 15% in May and 26% so far in June compared to last year. That's because we paired the new rules with meaningful enforcement of them. By the way, uh, Jessica Tisch, who is the sanitation commissioner, has been all the talk about maybe being the next police commissioner of New York City. She was asked about that yesterday. She stepped away from the podium, did not answer. The mayor then stepped up and he didn't really give an answer if she's going to be the next police commissioner. By the way, the current one, Keyshawn Sewell, her last day is tomorrow. 545, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find a very depressed Justin Ella because he fell asleep before the Yankees game ended last night. I didn't night. fall asleep. I went I went to sleep. Well, I, I went to sleep. What kind of fan does that? I thought you were a true Yankees fan. You stay up, watch the game. Yeah, well, did you want me here this morning or not? I did, yeah. Okay, so there you go. you got to pick your poison sometimes, and you get me here this morning as opposed to me not here this morning and celebrating the perfect game. It's a win-win, in my opinion. There was perfection late last night in Oakland, of all places. And it came in the form of right-hander Domingo Hermani mowed down 27 straight Oakland A's and wrapped to tossing the 24th perfect game in Major League history during last night's 11 to nothing Yanks win over Oakland. Here's what it sounded like, courtesy of Ryan Rucco and the Yes Network. Grounded to third. Donaldson has it. You were sleeping. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was dead asleep. Right. Woke up to a flurry attack. Oh, my God, did you see that? Oh, so many notifications from Major League Baseball. I mean, it was all over the place. But very exciting stuff. Congratulations to Hermione. Joins Don Larson, David Wells, and David Cohn as Yankees to pitch perfect games. And was also the 13th no-hitter in Yankees history. And how do you follow up perfection? Well, Clark Schmidt will have to try and do the best that he can this afternoon for a 337 a first pitch in Oakland for the series finale. Oakland has yet to name a starter to go against the righty. And now for the Mets, they had a much less magical night, finding themselves back in the loss column after falling 5-2 to to the Milwaukee Brewers at home. The loss comes just hours after Mets owner Steve Cohen held a press conference, as Noam has previously mentioned here, in which he preached uh, patience, but said New York is running out of time to get back into this year's playoff race. The $355 million Mets are very expensive, 36-44, and 44, and have lost 17 of their last 23. They were eight and a half games back out of the last NL wildcard spot entering yesterday's bout. New York hasn't won a series since sweeping Philadelphia from May 30th through June 1st, so almost a month here. The finale of their series with the Brewers is set for tonight at 7-10. Max Scherzer will take the hill against Milwaukee's Adrian Hauser. And lastly, in last night's NHL draft, it was indeed the coveted young center, Connor Bedard, who went first overall to the Chicago Blackhawks. Locally, the Rangers went with winger, winger Gabrielle Perot with their 23rd overall pick, while the Devils and Islanders did not have a pick 
on the board last night. And there was Sports Gnome on 77 WABC. I'm Justin Alec. Thank you very much, Justin. All right, let's catch you up on the biggest stories of the morning. We're bracing for another round of smoke. Now, I'm looking out our studio windows because it's light out, thank God, already at this early hour. It does look a little hazy out there, but it's hard to know if it's from the Canadian wildfires. We're being told some of that smoke will pour in today. We'll have an unhealthy air quality index. We're just not clear how bad it's going to be. Our all New Yorkers to monitor air quality reports in the coming days and be prepared to take precautions or change plans accordingly. Mayor Adams warning that wind patterns can change quickly so that could make things better or it could make things worse. We have met and we are coordinated and we're keeping a watchful eye on the difficulties of monitoring the flow of smoke that's coming from the northern region. And like all of us, we have a hard time, at least I do, wrapping my head around how a fire thousands of miles away uh, can affect us here, of course, and how that fire is still burning for that matter. When I think about it, a fire that's taking place thousands of miles away is actually impacting our cities. Just renew our spirit and energy around dealing with the climate change that we are facing. Yeah, of course, it is a big deal if you have breathing issues. Well, um, you know, it's kind of risky, you know, due to have asthma and things like that. So, you know, the air quality is like going to be, you know, a little down and out. So I'm a little worried. Doctors, local hospitals say they, you know, saw an uptick last time the bad air was here and people coming in to be checked out. They expect that'll happen maybe today if it gets bad. We are expecting to see a few extra patients who are coming in with respiratory complaints, asthmatics, those with COPD, the elderly, the very young are more susceptible to having breathing problems. Midwest has been blanketed by the smoke for a couple of days. It's uh, leaving there uh, and pretty happy about it. Congestion, a persistent cough, chest tightness or difficulty breathing, chronic sinus pressure. Right now it's, it's affecting everyone and especially the fine particle uh, pollution that they can even get, they can get into your bloodstream and they can affect your blood vessels. Yeah. We'll watch this, of course, as the day wears on. I mean, it's a little hazy, but it's hard to know if it's just sort of hazy because that's the weather or if that's some of the smoke that might be creeping in. Uh, the other big story continues to be from Sunday when these delays and cancellations, the big three area airports began. It was mostly weather related, right? Storm after storm. You just didn't know when one was going to move in. Uh, hundreds more flights were canceled yesterday. Thousands of travelers uh, sleeping at the big three area airports again last night you can imagine how frustrating that is some of them have been here since sunday and can't get a flight to go back home or go on vacation they push you back and they push you back and then they won't stand by and then that gets canceled i've been here for like a day and a half trying to get back to denver and i've tried five different flights through united and they've all been canceled i just don't want to be in here anymore i'm just so tired of this airport it's hard to know if this is all weather related and if they're giving us all the details but when you see the numbers of cancellations it seems it's just outrageous 1200 monday 1300 tuesday as of 4 30 last night the number was higher than that uh uh wednesday we don't know if we should uh go to uh another hotel for a night if we can get it we just want to go back home we just spent $400 for a hotel for a night, and now, you know, no hotel vouchers, no, they're, they're not helping with anything. Yeah, I guess if it's weather-related, they don't have to give you those vouchers. Uh, everybody finger-pointing, trying to figure out what went wrong here. No way of sleeping, no way of showering. We've just been sleeping on these chairs for a day and a half. That's basically it. And there's, like, 
hundreds, if not thousands, of other people doing the same thing as we are. United Airlines has been hit the hardest. Newark, of course, is their major hub to go to other places around the world. A JetBlue hit hard as well. Stuck here for another few hours. I've been here off and on for the last day and a half. We need a shower, we need to eat, we need to go home. Yesterday, United's uh, CEO was blaming the FAA's decision to cancel thousands of flights due to the weather uh, in a way that he says normally the FAA can manage these kinds of things. He's blaming a lack of air traffic controllers, and he says that's the real problem, not the weather. Now, the FAA did respond. They says it'll work with anyone who's willing to help them solve their problems. So not much of an answer from the FAA. The TSA also quick to say it's not us, uh, that the security lines are moving We understand your plight. We feel the frustration and everything else, but we have a job to do, and our job is security. Yeah, they say the security line's not the issue. The airport, the airline, TSA, all of our employees, they're working together to get you and your family to your final destination. Give us a little grace. Yeah, just maddening, though, if you're trying to go out on vacation. You you know, plan the whole year for a family vacation. Now it's been doused by these flights being canceled across the country. Uh, New York City's Migrant Support Center is going to remain open across the five boroughs. It comes after 2,500 people arrived in New York City last week. So you think it's slowing down. It's not. Is it going to get more? Is it going to get less? I have no idea because we're just dealing with it in terms of what comes to the front door and doing the best that we can as people come to the front door. I know we're at a tipping point. I know we're at a breaking point. Yeah, so there's more migrants in the city care right now than there are homeless New Yorkers. Uh, the person you just heard there was the deputy mayor, Ann Williams Isom, who says they're just bowled over by the fact that the buses keep arriving at the Port Authority. If there was a national coordination of this, then it wouldn't be, the burden wouldn't be so on New York City. And so we are hoping that the federal government gives us the help so that we can decompress folks. And with over 50,000 asylum seekers currently in our care, at this point, we now have more people in the city's care that are seeking asylum than longtime unhoused New Yorkers in our shelter system. And the uh, crazy part is we're all on the hook for it. The New York City estimates by next spring it'll have cost the city $4 billion to handle all the migrants that have come here from the U.S.-Mexico border. And finally, on a much lighter night and lighter note and just a weird story out of Greenwich Township, New Jersey, someone has been driving around town, stopping their car and throwing bags of adult diapers into the middle of the street. And police don't know what it's behind it, who's behind it, but uh, everybody's a little freaked out by it. The individual is dropping um, uh, white bags uh, small trash bags full with uh, soiled adult diapers um, and uh, and liners. Um, and they're being dropped at, at various locations randomly throughout the town. Yeah, so you'd think it'd be an issue that it costs money to you know throw away adult diapers. No, you can throw them out just in the regular trash. Some people who've had these bags in their front yard say, hey, give me a break. Really a crappy situation. I can't believe it was right up the street. That's kind of crazy. It's funny, but it's not funny because they're dumping you know human stuff. Yeah, it's kind of comical, but not if it's being thrown at you. Uh, by the way, police yesterday saying they can't find this person who's doing that. Know what the car looks like, but they haven't seen it. But they say it's not too late to stop doing this. They say if you stop doing it, they'll stop looking for you. If you just stop, um, we probably won't be able to find you. Um, if you continue to do it, absolutely, it's going to catch up with you. Yeah, just weird.